0: This is Cinema Degeneration. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Uh, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. We all go a little mad sometimes. You wanna know what happens to an eyeball when it gets punctured?
1: You just can't let them go? Go. Hi, I'm
0: Chucky, wanna play? (laughs) Please, God. (laughs) This.
1: He's gone. The dead will walk here. I'm just gonna bash your brains and Your suffering will be legendary, even in hell.
2: Get back. It's alive, it's alive! It's alive! They all
1: hello down here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Boy, They're
2: are
0: Alrighty, folks. Welcome once again to Cinema Degeneration. This is the Killer Wheels Appreciation Month, and we have quite a doozy in store for you. We are going to be reviewing and dissecting the 1977 The Car. And joining me this evening is my good friend and cohort in crime on occasion, Tim O'Saben. How are we doing? I'm doing good, Cameron. How about yourself? You've been a little under the
1: weather. Tell your listeners how you're holding up, because I know you're not the kind of guy it's just going to tell people that they got, like, an issue. But how, how are you feeling? How are you feeling? You know, for the
0: most part, all right. Um, and in the as you like to call it, the space-time continuum. Uh, mm. A few weeks ago, I had to have a, a surgery to have a pacemaker defibrillator put in. And then a couple weeks after that, I had an infection set in. So I had ah. to have a follow-up surgery to have that taken care of. Um, it was kind of rough for a couple of weeks, a lot of pain, a lot of... Uh, disinfection type things, but I'm healing. I'm healing at home. Um, it's better than healing in the hospital on any given day. I'm feeling better. You know, I'm getting back into the swing of things, but I'm feeling all right. I'm feeling as good as can be as somebody who's had their chest cut into, you know, a couple times in a month's time. And, you know, <laughs> doctors like to tell right. you, Oh, you shouldn't be in any kind of pain. I'm like, well, here you hand me a knife, me stab you in the chest a little bit. And just tell me how that feels.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm doing well, that. me, all you need to do is you need to fill up a bathtub full of baking soda, peroxide, and pure gasoline and just roll around in it.
0: Oh, <laughs> well, that so ought to be
1: great. Go. That'll take care of all your infection and your skin. Yeah. So well, it'll be <laughs> I hear that's extremely exfoliating. <laughs> it sure is. It sure <laughs> is. You know. So and you know, you can, when when you're done with it, you can run your car on it. So it's it's wonderful. So great, there you go. Great. I'll try that. I'll try that. Hey, get back, hey, you back know, to you and let you know how I feel. <laughs> right. Who who needs a doctor when you got guys like me for a for a guest? Right. You should have right, come to right. me in the first place. I would have fixed this up for you. See? Well, hey, seriously, I'm yep. glad, glad you're uh, glad you're on the mend at least there. So, uh, yeah, I'm feeling, so better than I, I'm feeling better than I was
0: two weeks ago. That's that's for certain. Very good. Very good. So so we're going to talk but, about the car, huh? Yeah, yeah, we're doing the killer wheels month, and we've already, uh, and uh, the timeline of things, we've talked about the hearse, we've talked about Killdozer, and now we're
1: talking about the car. Wow. Uh, that's a, that's one, a good, good little uh, uh, cross-section of them, too. I remember the hearse used to be on HBO a lot during the day when I was a kid, because it was rated PG, if I'm not mistaken. And so they would actually play that during the day. So it was one of the few movies that I could actually watch. I don't remember it being very, very enjoyable, but I mean, it was there. No, no, that was the first one we covered
0: because uh, me, and my uh, co-host Rebecca Reinhardt, both picked. It, we picked it because neither one of us had seen it. Oh, I had gotcha. And okay. never seen the Hearse before? And like, why not? Like, like, let's go into this blindly. And that was uh, that was not a great way to start <laughs> off the month. I was it. It was a whole lot about a haunted house and very little to do about a hearse right unlike right. unlike this movie which you know at least the car is you know is pretty prominently featured and i remember remember oh one yeah this one. the car is a yeah. movie that's been in my wheelhouse you know of stuff for a long time i've watched it many many times over the years probably a couple dozen at least uh mm-hmm. i was part of that period in the 70s when james brolin was like the it factor you know with hotel west world and this you know so mm-hmm. i enjoyed it. It, it it was on heavy rotation on spangoolie at least once or twice a year it seems like he plays this one so i'd seen it many times so uh when i proposed this and you picked this one i'm like well good i figured somebody would pick the car and mm-hmm. uh, i was glad it was you i figured you probably have an affinity for this film like much like i do yeah i uh, yeah, can i ask you a favor though i, mean, I yeah. need to ask you a favor do you have uh, your computer open to where you can look at the IMDb synopsis? Because I was going to ask you if you for, if you were felt comfortable if you could break out Movie Guy for me.
1: <laughs> movie Guy, all right, Movie Guy for my short storyline synopsis. For yeah, for that. Okay, yeah, for that
0: sentence and a half synopsis. I usually do the the Movie Guy, but I'm not I'm not as good at it as
1: you are. You are. I don't. <laughs> what's I don't What's have funny is. Right, so, so for everybody listening to your show, on, on, on my, the podcast that I'm a part of, I should say, with the, the Timo and Harley show, with, my, with our both our good pal, Mr. Ben Harley. Yes, uh, yes. We, we Love Harley. And, yeah, and actually, Harley is the reason I still do this, is I, I get out the movie trailer guy, the voiceover movie trailers, and what my little joke is, is that it doesn't sound anything like the movie trailer guys, but it sounds like <laughs> me. Being a movie trailer guy. So, I, I mean, there, there is that distinction. Some people want to sound like one of the guys from the actual trailers. I have not that ability. <laughs> I, I do not imitate other voices very well, although we all try. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, my yeah, my I know. I've Schmager tried myself, too, and it's bad, so... Oh, <laughs> but, I, <yeah. laughs> I, do a, I
0: do a mean Stallone from time to time, but that's usually after a couple of drinks. <laughs> right, right, right.
1: And, well, we all do that, you know, just involuntarily sometimes. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I will get out Movie Guy here and give you a short storyline synopsis for the 1977 flick, The Car. All right, here we go. A small desert town is terrorized by a powerful seemingly possessed car and the local sheriff may be the only one who can stop it.
0: Oh, my movie it. guy. <laughs> Thank you ladies and gentlemen for listening to we, uh, that's the end of our show. We have had a cameo appearance by the official movie guy from the Tim Owen Harley show. <laughs> yes. This yes. is where we end the podcast because there's nowhere to go, but downhill from here. Right. 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 <laughs> so I appreciate movie it. Guy's a,
1: movie guy has a posse. That's for sure. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, I appreciate it, thank you, all joking aside. No problem, yeah. Uh, but let's get into it. Uh, this just a film, you know, pretty big big stuff for back in the day, at least as mm-hmm. far as I'm concerned. Directed by Elliot Silverstein, who had directed one of my favorite uh, westerns. I'm a big western guy, he did Cat Baloo, mm-hmm. which I really like. And, you know, a couple one-off episodes, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Twilight Zone, he was a pretty prolific director.
1: He did for, a man you know, called Horse, years. too, that was another, another good western this movie is kind of a western as well I mean it's, it's a if you put I know it sounds strange but if you took this, this story and you put it in say oh 1850 or something like that you could have the car as an evil possessed horse and you could almost get the same story out of it Yeah.
0: You, you could. Think about and, and it's, it, it, it takes place up. in the yeah. desert. It does take yes. place pretty much, you know what I mean, in a desert town. So, I mean, it, it's it's
1: there. It's right there on the brink. Right. So we would be talking about the horse.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that would be.
1: <laughs> well, the somebody out there just this, got a great idea and started writing a writing a screenplay. I'm sure <laughs> we want
0: associate producer credits on that film. Whoever you are, just remember: right, Saban, right. Cameron Scott. We want producing credits on that. Creative, <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah,
1: but it definitely but this, is. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a southern a southwestern. I I love the desert atmosphere of this movie, and I love the cinematography in it because of the landscapes. Because it is shot a lot like a western. Um, It also kind of reminds me a little bit of how Mad Max was shot, especially with the cars driving and they're kind of cranking the the film rate up a little bit, Um, you know, giving it that that Benny Hill look.
0: They go that route. Mm -hmm. And it works, though. It's not like too terribly obvious. There is a few scenes where it's like painfully obvious because that's kind of stuff always is. But, you know, more times than not, it really works. And it is shot much like a Western. That opening shot as it fades from blue to, you know, the natural sunlight and whatnot is is a great opening. Just when you Mm -hmm. see the the car. You don't really see the car. You just see the dust trail, which could just Mm -hmm. as easily be the dust trail from a horse. So we're going with our Western theme here. Mm -hmm. And I love it. Starring James Brolin and his uh, majestic uh, mustache as Sheriff Wade. He is
1: James Brolin, like... um. I was I was actually messaging with with uh, a the, my friend who he's actually a, a guest on our show sometimes from the Dwarves. We were talking about him before the show too, Mark Mark Diamond. And he loves these kinds of movies too. He's a big Jaws fan. And this movie is definitely in that pantheon of unstoppable nature forces coming at you, you know, type of thing. And he, I told him I told him that I was watching the car, and I love it. It's held up, you know, and everything. And all he said was, Brolin. And all I said was, I wish I had his face. Can you imagine waking <laughs> yeah, up every day and looking in the mirror? Oh my God, he look. You know what he is? He's a cross between Burt Reynolds and Sam Elliott. You know, that's a good point. You know, he,
0: he he really is. He's got he's got the majestic hair. He's got the very handsome face and whatnot. And right. he is like kind of a hybrid. Yes, of, uh, if I wanted, yeah, I never if thought if of it that. If I were
1: dabbling, way. if I were dabbling in human alchemy. I would create basically James Brolin because who would you want to be more than a cross between Burt Reynolds and Sam Elliott? You know, I, I swear to you. The, we, uh, I know in our show one time, we actually did a review of a Bigfoot movie and it wasn't released yet. The, the, this, this, these guys wanted us to review a movie, a uh, work print, basically. And to be frank with you, it stunk. It was terrible. And we said that. <laughs> However, one of the actors was a dead ringer. I, I had to look and make sure it wasn't James Brolin. I mean, he looked just like James Brolin. So the one positive thing that we had in the review was I said, well, the one main guy looks just like James Brolin. Congratulations. <laughs> who would not want to be that guy? I mean, who would not want to be James? I So anyway, so I guess I've overstated yeah, exactly. the fact that he's a handsome man, and boy, I wish I was that handsome.
0: And, he, you know, for back in the day and even to this day, he is kind of the, you know, the epitome of cool, like you said, he's uh, kind of, you know, part Sam Elliott and part Burt Reynolds and, you know, what guy our age, you know, wouldn't want to be and still wouldn't want to be, you know, oh, a cross-hybrid yes. of those two guys.
1: Okay, which one of our wives wouldn't? <laughs> Doesn't wish we were James <laughs> <Roland> probably, also.
0: They <laughs> Woke up and rolled over and I'm just like, oh. Well, I'm calling off work for the afternoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, but that being said, we'll get off our uh, high horse here and yeah, then, like, our man crush up. on James Brolin. Our man yeah. crush on James Brolin. <laughs> right. But the other thing that I got from the beginning of this movie, other than yeah. that a beautiful opening shot, right, was the opening music is very much reminiscent of The Shining. Yeah. You know that that is that same
1: uh I, f- I forgot there's a certain name, a name to it. Melody. That it's a basic melody. I think it's an old like catholic kind of hymn and it's it's I think they kind of altered it a little bit. But it's pretty much the Yeah, same a little thing. bit. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it definitely adds a little bit of of atmosphere, you know, to this too, which that that that's what this movie has that seems really odd because it's a movie about a demonic car in the desert. And then that moody atmospheric music It lends itself to creating kind of a unique uh, sense of dread for a film like this. Because as wide open as everything is, it still manages to get you feeling a little claustrophobic. Like, that car could be coming from anywhere. And that's a little disconcerting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think it it
0: works. uh, You made the observation that it's kind of like in that... um that series of films, you know, about the unstoppable killing machine, kind of like, uh, jaws. And so, I made a couple of times, you know, a notes, a uh, couple of checks in my notes here that it's very much, the car is like, it's like a shark. It's like the mm-hmm. shark from jaws. It could be lurking mm-hmm. anywhere and you can't, you know, just because you're in the wide open plains doesn't mean it couldn't be lurking in the corner because it seems to come from anywhere. Right. And you know, like the tagline for the movie, I think says something along the lines of, is it a phantom The devil, or no, is it a phantom, a demon, or the devil himself? You Mm -hmm. know, and I think there's a great way of looking at it. I kind of always thought of it as it kind of was the devil, or at least Mm -hmm. a demon of sorts. Mm -hmm. Because they, they never really, you know, talk about the origins of it. They never really get really deep down, until the end, you know, towards the end of the movie, they get a little bit... Into the uh, the mythos of it, when Ronnie Cox's character is just like, yeah, they couldn't go on hallowed grounds, you know. His, but who's gonna right. listen to the the recovering, you know, the slash recovering drunk deputy that is back on the sauce? Of course, even James Brolin is just like, we just gotta blow it up,
1: right? <laughs> you know, right, but,
2: right. Uh, yeah, there's plenty of like cliffs the around
1: there, <laughs> yeah. Or they could, yeah. you know, they could knock it over. But I, I, I totally agree. I think that it's a, it definitely not unlike a shark like the shark in jaws and stuff like that it's it, you you at least imagine or think that it is um, it has to stay on the road like it, it can it ha- it's limited to where it can go and to where it can traverse and, and so that's the one thing and as far as the it being like the devil or a demon or something they definitely like they give you hints of that Throughout the film, but what I like is they never settle on it until the right. very, very end, which we don't have to discuss in a second. But I, I, which I think is a weak part of the movie, to be honest with you, is a very, very last shot. But I also well, think had movies the, like yeah, they had of the a corn, kind of summit up there at the too. end,
0: you know, and, mm-hmm. and tie tie it up with a neat little bow. And I think that was probably the only way they could figure out how to do it. And it still uh, yeah. doesn't feel like very. It doesn't feel. It never feels silly. That's one thing about this movie. It never feels campy. It never feels mm-hmm. silly, but it doesn't. In the end, it feels like they just, you know, tried to tie it up real quick, and right, just like, wow, right. ah, we'll just blow it up,"
1: you know. And, right. And I think that part of that was that they, I, I, I think they wanted to do something at the end that the that the effects had not caught up with what they wanted to do yet. So I think what you're seeing, um, there is limitations of when it was made. I think they wanted to do something a little different, and that's the best they could do at that point. But, you know, I, I also think that this movie is definitely influenced by Duel. I mean, you can't say oh, it's yeah. not. I mean, it has to be. And I, the one thing about Duel is I liked the end how it didn't cheat. And the only thing about this movie is I think it the end gets a little cheaty a little bit because I don't think you need it because you're right. It is played... it. It's played totally straight. I say this on my show. I think I've said it on this show a couple times and stuff. That to me, a successful B-movie only needs a few things. And it needs, first of all, it, 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 needs, it can't be boring. The cardinal right, sin right. of B-movie. this a movie, B movie never is boring. It's- no, it's not. It's not. The cardinal sin of a B-movie or a horror film or an exploitation or anything like this that isn't a big budget lavish production is boring. You can't be boring. You got to you got you you just got to keep the, the pace moving and stuff. It's not boring and it's played straight. And that's what makes it work. If you want to laugh at the fact that there's a car driving around honking at people and killing them, that's your prerogative. You can do that. But the cast and the crew are not doing that. You know, they're making No, a it's never movie. done as as a wink and a nod to the camera no. like <laughs> we're, mm-hmm. we're
0: making a silly car movie. No, it's never it's never played off for laughs. It's never played
1: very gimmicky, no. either. You know, it's, it's like I said, it's played very straight. Right, and the act, the cast is great. It's a good cast of a lot of good character actors and actresses. Um, the that was one again, of the things that
0: I liked about it right yeah. off the bat was the mm-hmm. like the like for instance the the relationship between James Brolin as Wade the sheriff and Katherine mm-hmm. Lloyd or Kathleen Lloyd sorry as mm-hmm. Lauren. They have a very playful relationship, and it comes off as very real. Like mm-hmm. their relationship, it doesn't. Lots of times in movies, especially movies of this ilk, the relationship between you know a proposed man and a woman feels very put on and very fake. There's not a lot of uh, chemistry. There, mm-hmm. And there, if there is chemistry, it feels very forced. This doesn't feel forced. This feels like a a real relationship. You know, they're silly, they're goofy, they they fuck with each other a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, they mm-hmm. they goof off as as a normal couple tends to, or, or right. an abnormal cu- couple tends to, and that is a testament to the acting. I think right. you know because everybody
1: in this movie is really good and top notch. Right, right, and and that that to me always helps. Movie like movies like this when everybody goes in with their chips in. And they try, I mean, you can at least say they tried. And the thing with this movie is it has a very good script that's easy to follow. It doesn't try to outthink itself. You know, when you go see a movie, sometimes you just want to see the movie. Uh, We just, a good example that we just reviewed Galaxy of Terror, which we ultimately decided that it tried to outthink itself. It had it been more simple, it would be much more successful of a product at the end. But since it tried to be it tried to be smarter than what it really was, it lied to you. You know, it was saying it was some kind of well, well, we're gonna rip off alien, but we're gonna be different. No, 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 no. Just rip Alien off. <laughs> it's fun. And just be you know, honest like with this. yourself. Yeah, just just do the movie. Like because all it all it, the the stuff they tried to throw in there that was different, quote unquote different. It just made it weird this movie is so straight it's just about a very small desert town i think it's actually is it on a native american reservation because they have a they they do have quite a few native american characters in this which i think is kind of cool too um
0: right right it does it kind of lends i to not sure if it is or not you know what it's never i mean there's the big cemetery there's you know the where this a um, quote-unquote hollowed ground, but I'm yeah. not sure if it's... Like, I yeah. think it, it, it at least borders a reservation.
1: Because I thought it's, it's... never
0: really touched on.
1: Right. I thought they had maybe said something, like, in it that I might have caught out of my ear. You know, like... Because you are looking out now, I, I guess you're in a part of the country, maybe where there are, there's a larger Native American population where they were filming this, where they were. I don't know. But I seem to remember them saying that they were either near one or they were kind of on one. And now, although the town didn't look like a reservation town, so I'm just saying, like, it seemed like there was something like that. But I thought it was kind of cool how uh, it's sort of the Native American spiritualism and the Christian spiritualism. They seem to kind of use both of them in this movie. Uh, And they didn't overdo it, uh, but they were respectful to both. And found a way to do that. You know, right, to, yeah, and they the, found a way to kind of, like, cross those uh, two ideas. Yes, clearly you know the car I mean? is a supernatural presence. So they, are, they were uh, both, like, the people, the Native American people, and then the people who were more of maybe the, the, the Christian background, they were using their experience to explain the evil that they were fighting. Because that's really what this is. You know, they're fighting an evil entity. And whether no matter what you call it, it's still a car coming at you. You know, it's being it's being guided by some kind of evil hand. And I like the I like the fact that it's um it's it's almost frustratingly subtle. You never really see the driver and stuff. And that's another, I think, positive thing in duel, which makes Duel more mysterious. Um, and I think that this movie is successful in doing that too. You know, well, as well. You know,
0: and the, the one probably biggest difference between this and duel is that you know, in Duel, you know there is a driver. Mm-hmm. You know, because mm-hmm. you see like the driver's arm. You never see it's, it's always a faceless driver. But in this, there is no driver. There's mm-hmm. nobody behind that wheel. Mm-hmm. And you know, even when the Native American lady who witnesses one of the when she witnesses uh, was it the deputy one of the deputies I forgot which there was a the sheriff was. Gets,
1: sheriff gets run down in the, in the road and that was in, it was the Everett yeah. character mm-hmm.
0: and yep. she you know, down she's, Marley uh, yep. is talking to the. Yeah, she's talking to the one, uh, um, uh, Chaz, the one uh, deputy. And she's, Mm -hmm. you know, he's translating for and he doesn't translate the whole thing. And then later on, uh, another deputy is just like, hey, you know, he didn't tell you everything. She said there was no driver. And that's when he's starting to kind of realize something's going on. But he's being a little bit more practical about it, you know, maybe a little more uh, sensible about it, you know, but he doesn't, you know. Sheriff Wade, you know, never really comes to the realization that they're dealing with something, you know, supernatural.
1: Well, right. But do do they ever the one thing that was kind of interesting, too, and I I was kind of looking for this going back is I kind of went back and forth my memory bank on whether or not they actually confirm there's no driver because because although it's being said, is it ever shown? Like, do they... Like I know the I mean, the closest that Roland. they get
0: to... Right. Right, and he opens it just, a, uh, you know, an inch or two, and the window rolls down. Everything's dark, but as he goes open the door, you know, the door s- swings open, knocks him over the side of the road, and almost knocks him out. Right. And you never really see... I mean, it's never... I guess you could say it's never really truly confirmed whether or not there's something or someone behind that wheel. Right. You know, and, 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 I mean, in, uh, does the uh, devil need a car with four wheels i mean to get around i mean you know i'm I'm sure he likes to you know take people and souls back to hell in a timely fashion does the devil need a car i don't know
1: i guess so if you if you're in 1977 you know i guess maybe, maybe you did i my i i think i i like but i like the fact that you never really know what the car is and if there really is or isn't a driver or is the driver a, like three feet tall? You just can't see the head of the driver, You know, you, and the dri- and then is the, it a the phantasm. The, yeah. You don't know. I mean, that's the thing. It's like sometimes the unknown is cool. Um, one thing that I don't like about like the, the Halloween remake is they try to explain Michael Myers too much where he was scarier as a phantom. he was scarier right. as, as what you didn't know. And for me, the car, like they're not explaining. It. And then dual is the same thing. Dual, the only reason you know there's a driver is because you can see him. Otherwise, you wouldn't even really know if that, that truck had a driver, but you see the driver. Like you, they never show the face. You yeah, know, you so see an arm,
0: a, you see a piece yes. of his hat, you know, or something. It's yes. always kind of but the fact that it's a faceless. Like you said, phantom is a good way to describe it. Mm-hmm. You know, it it leads that you know it leads you to be able to draw your own conclusions. They're not spelling it out for you. They don't treat their audience like a like an idiot. You know, and try exactly. over explain things like here we know you people are dumb. <laughs> you know, we're gonna yeah. explain this to you six ways from Sunday. But you know, they're just like, hey, it could be a phantom. It could be you know a, a demon. It could be possessed, or it could just be a psycho in a you know souped up automobile. Right. But they leave you. Um, to draw your own conclusions and i guess my conclusion has always been that that it was a demonic presence of some sort you know i i don't disagree
1: with you i actually think that that's what i think too but what i like about it is that somebody could come up to me and say well how do you know there wasn't a driver like well i don't and and and, and it's just over i mean that's just all there is to it but that's just what what you're shown a movie is showing you a story you know so it's showing you what it wants to show you can add whatever you want in your mind but that's that's to me where a movie can be more like a book almost in a way, you know, and where where people like to read, but I'm not, I'm not a reader. I don't read very much, but I understand how people enjoy it because they're actually creating the story in their own mind while they're reading it. They have their own idea of what the characters look like. They have their own ideas of what these people's houses look like and stuff. And with this one, it's showing you a story. Now you are being shown what people look like and stuff like that. But you're surely not really being shown or, or told for sure what the car is, what its purpose is. All you know is it it kills people. It doesn't like to be insulted. <laughs> and for some reason, if it is some sort of uh, holy ground, and it never really states it has to be a Christian holy ground. It just has to be a holy ground. Right, know, right. A, a reverent ground or whatever. It it doesn't want to go on there. It doesn't want to do that. You know, Um and that's really about it. And then it's basically about these small. T- and I do kind of like the trope where you have the small town where nothing, nothing ever happens, and these poor cops. Yeah, uh, and then they're <laughs> plagued by something
0: that they're yeah. just completely, you know, they're out of their element. To like, you know, we haven't had a murder in this town in thirty-seven years, and now all of a sudden there's, you know, multiple hit and runs going on, and they're just like they're way, <laughs> they're they're way
1: underqualified for what's going on. Right. It's almost like the true definition of comedy. You know, not, not, not just a laugh-out-loud comedy. I mean, like, like, it's a comedy of errors. You know, Almost in a way, it's just like, these people are way in over their heads. You know, with this. Right. And, and, and it's... The thing is, by the time they realize they're in over their heads, too, it's really almost too late, because they want to take care of it themselves. You know, if, if you had a job that was boring for quite a while, and all of a sudden... It's not boring anymore. You want to be the person. If you're a cop, you want to be the person that catches a criminal. You want to be the person. That's your job. That's what you signed up for. You want to be the person that solves what's going on, you know, and stuff. And I do kind of like that trouble. I don't like it as much when they call in the FBI and there's, like, there's like arguments between the different... The different law enforcement right. agencies and stuff. That this gets is no I longer
0: your jurisdiction, son. Yeah, I don't like
1: red tape <laughs> crap, you know. But I do yeah, like just
0: like it when they're just like, we're gonna take it into their own hands and solve the problem in a small town sort of way, which means getting the old codger in town who is an explosive expert and fucking blowing it up with
1: dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that brings you in as as a as a audience as an ignorant audience member. That brings you in because they're they 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 are learning with you does that make sense it's almost like you know like they're not just if if you watch somebody like who knows who's been working on cars for 30 years change a carburetor i you you might be like what the hell just happened what did you do but if you sit down with somebody else and they have like a tutorial on youtube or something how to do it you watch it slowly and you watch them learn it you might learn it better and I, sometimes when you have these cops these, these that, that are a little inexperienced, it helps the story along. Because it's almost explaining why you're hearing the dialogue. Because they're figuring this stuff out, too. This is new to them. Yeah. You're right know know alongside. Right. And I don't know how many police forces have a lot of, have a lot of uh, experience with demon cars. <laughs> but, right. you know, at the same time... It's still been and you, Z- you
0: know, and I think... I think the in the way that it starts out, it's it's it, it's just getting a little bit off the subject, and we're talking about demon car, cars. But the way it starts out, it's almost like a Friday the Thirteenth film, in a manner of speaking, you know, or a mm-hmm. slasher film of that, that ilk. It's mm-hmm. that the car is, is like a slasher stalking mm-hmm. a couple of kids, and these mm-hmm. kids, are, you know, and that's one other thing about this movie, uh, the kids in it, you know, from the teenagers to the to Sheriff Wade's ki- to two ch- children, are. All, all very good child actors. They're not. Uh, I find a lot of child actors to be somewhat annoying. And mm-hmm. why I say somewhat, I mean very annoying. But right. but right. they're they're pleasant kids. They're not kids out just being little bastards, uh, so to speak. You know, they're right. they're just out having fun. They're just riding their bikes. When it stalks them down, it's like like a scene from Jaws or a scene from a Friday the Thirteenth film. You know, it stalks them down and it bumps the two kids off on the bike. It lets you know. That you're in for some sort of brutality. Now it's not a very gory film. and the, the deaths are not gory at all. There's very little blood to be seen in the movie at all. Mm-hmm. But when it runs those kids over and runs them off the, uh, you know, the the bridge and they fall to their death, it's very horrific. You know, it's just like, oh shit! It lets you know, like right off the bat, what kind of movie you're dealing with. Like, yep, yep, we're killing kids first, so that's where we're at. Right, I. It
1: was funny while I was watching that. I'm watching the, like this kid pedaling his bike as hard as he can, and this car like going on the side of him. I'm like, hit your brakes, hit your brakes on your bike. The car will fly right by you, you know, and turn around, you know. But he, you cannot outrun a car. It's like right. I, I don't know. It driving it's driving. Not going to happen. Actually, yeah, it's like if you hit your brakes, the car will go forward. And you can at least turn around and try to get off the road and do something, but yeah, again, it's but you're not going to outrun you know? it on, on a. You're definitely not going to outrun it on a
0: straightaway. It's just not going to no. <laughs> happen. Right, right, no, uh, not at all.
1: Um, were kids; they, they didn't yeah. know what they were, you know, didn't know what they were getting into. Right, and the car, the car itself, kind of looks like the the mean buzzard on the on the Muppets. It, it looks <laughs> I like it's kind of, it of that way. it's got like those eyes and everything it's just it just doesn't look like it's a very happy car no no it's, it doesn't but it does have a face the car has a face you have to look at it and go it's got a face it has a face it does so <laughs> and let's talk I, I made
0: some notes here so we'll uh, yeah. for those that are listening at home i made uh, a few notes about the car itself it was uh, they made four of them Mm-hmm. It was a 1971 Lincoln Continental Mark three and Lincoln started.
1: That's yeah. what started. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. That's what it was. The base of the car. It was heavily modified, mm-hmm. heavily modified, cost about $84,000 to build from what mm-hmm. I was reading. It was, but it was a Lincoln Continental Mark three black coupe, mm-hmm. uh, you know, chopped and lowered and the fenders were changed, they had different wheels put on it, uh, uh, out of the four cars that were built, two were destroyed, Two weren't, and one made it into a uh, personal collection somewhere overseas, so that still exists somewhere. But it was built by George Barris of Barris Custom Cars, uh, who also helped uh, develop and uh, designed Batmobile, the original Batmobile. Right. But this movie has, has a piece of my heart, no pun intended, because Lincolns were big in my family. My grandfather used to haul Lincolns and Fords for a living for many many years and i remember them that every every year there would either be a brand new you know thunderbird or a lincoln or a cougar or something in in the driveway and okay. i've actually owned four different lincolns over the course of my life and i actually am driving a, a lincoln town car right now oh, so okay. just the fact that it's a, that the car is a lincoln is this kind of it always makes me smile you know it's right. got like i said it's definitely got a piece of my heart right. but the car itself is just you know, heavily modified. You can tell by the grill that it's a little, you know, that it's a Lincoln, but that bumper and the headlight assembly, the way they modified it, it does look like a mean face. And it does kind of look like that that mean that mean bird from the Muppets. It does. Now that you (laughs) mention it, I never (laughs) saw it that way until now. But as soon as you said it, I was just like, oh (laughs) Yes, I, I, get I can't it. think of his name, but you know, I'm talking about the big. Like, I know who you mean, it's been so long yeah. since I watched the Muppets, but I know I, exactly which character you're I talking that, about. Like, and I love There's that guy's that always yeah. looks like he's pissed off. Yeah, 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 and then. It, it, it,
1: Well, you know, this is the thing with this movie, too, is, is for the life of me, how the hell do I like this movie? I mean, how? <laughs> to me, the trick of the movie is that it's good to begin with. Look, it has a six point. I'm, look right now, I'm looking at the IMDb. It's got a 6.2 in IMDb. I think that's about a point too low. I really do. I think some it's, of those.
0: It's, it's, a, it's a couple points too low for me.
1: I, I you know I can't definitely, I de- de- de-
0: definitely deserves better than a
1: six point two you know yeah yeah, and that's actually very good, especially for a horror film uh, on IMDB. We all know that horror films always get crutched pretty bad you know by people But it's stupid. it's like, well, it's stupid if you're if you're if you, you don't go into a horror movie looking for a ton of reality. I hope not because if so, just watch the news. no i mean there is your horror in reality but yeah if you want reality watch the news or stick your head out the front door you know (laughs) right so i watch these things for escapism and stuff like that but for me it's like how do you get a movie like the car and you and we talked about the the hearse earlier and i don't even think they knew how how to write a movie around a hearse it was just a cool title and they just stuck one in there for a few scenes. I think but it, for what this it was, movie, they had
0: access. They had access to an old 1950s hearse, and they're like, "Oh, we do. We're write a movie around it." Sure. It's like we know
1: somebody with a hearse. We're making a movie. Right, right. And in this movie, from beginning to the end, it's it's good. It's not. And I don't know how. I don't know why. Look, even the like the 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 guy, uh, the 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 jerk, the R.G. Armstrong character uh the redneck oh guy, yeah amos amos, amos yeah. yeah he is I, a yeah piece i like to refer of to him work. As he's quite an asshole yeah he's a dickhole yeah so he likes to terrorize his wife and the and then there's this goofy bugler guy who likes to correct you and say it's a french horn and so this guy <laughs> this random guy, johnny north yeah this guy random guy is sitting outside of rg armstrong's house who this house is it's house in the middle of nowhere in the middle does right, and he's just sitting outside guy's house. How did he get there, house. and why is he there? You know, <laughs> what, he, what could he possibly be waiting for there? You know, and and then he, so R.G. Armstrong comes out, and he's beating on his wife. You know, and then the guy, the bugler guy, he's all like, "Hey, man, you know what are you doing?" And he's just like, "You don't talk to me. You know, I can hit her. She's my wife." Which. 1977. There you go. <laughs> you know, like, right, I can hit right. her. She's my wife. But the business and, is not of yours. Right, exactly. And so the thing is, like to me, like I, I kind of appreciate stuff like that because it didn't need to hold your hand and say this guy is a misogynistic dick. He is. He yeah. is. That's what he's doing, you know. So it isn't preaching to you or nothing. It's just saying, oh, here's your town jerk. You know, who likes to he likes to beat on his wife and stuff, which is crap, you know, which is like a a a not a very manly thing to do. And he sits and he tells the guy, he's like, hey, you better get out of here. You know, and he, look, this is a stupid scene, Cameron. I mean, uh, but I'm watching this being thoroughly entertained. You know, and he and, the, and he's like, oh, yeah. And the guy tells him, he's "Like, you don't get out of here. I'm going to stick that bugle up your ass and you're going to be fart music for a month. And the guy goes, wouldn't that be wonderful? Oh, I and know. I made a and note about that. He starts making that. the noises. The fart
0: music. To part music for a whole month <laughs>
1: yeah now it now, shouldn't be entertaining me it
0: shouldn't be it shouldn't be no. fucking
1: entertaining but it is no it's not And it. shame on me for thinking it is that's the way i see it but damn it i do i don't know why i mean I, this movie is one of these successful films that i can't figure out how the hell is this movie so damn good how did they make a movie about this car now i can understand um I don't know, man. You know, like if like when I saw Christine when when was that? When was that like eighty five or 83? something like that? 83? Was it eighty three? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I was 10 when I saw that. Okay. So all the high school drama and stuff I completely identified with because I was in school. So the bullies and the, like in the shot, the guy who looks he's a dead ringer for uh for uh John Travolta, <laughs> the bull the bully guy with the with the big sweat hog haircut. Oh, yeah, John the monster chops. Yeah, yeah. Those people existed. (laughs) You know what I mean? So so I got into that a little bit, and the car was something else. But it seems like in this movie, it's just a, a car out of nowhere. There's not even much of a story or a plot to it. It's just a car terrorizing a town. And they keep you completely engaged for an hour and a half on this. And you're not making fun of it when you're watching it. And, and it just, it blows my mind. As someone who, and you do this too as well, and we both do this together and separately, but as someone who basically constantly is reviewing films, this is one of those movies that blows me away. Like, I don't understand it. I don't know how they did that. And as a musician, and someone who creates art like that, I, boy, this is one of the, I don't know if it's a happy accident. Or what? Uh, Or the script is just that damn good, and it's just so subtle you don't notice it. And I can't answer you. I don't know the answer, because I don't really find the script very unique.
0: Well, no, but, you know, I think what it is, it plays on more of a not, it's not a a thrill ride. Now, by saying that, I'm not saying that it's boring, because we've already touched base on that. That is not a boring film. But it plays off the subtlety. And the suspense of it, because this thing is not just always this, you know, driving through town and just running people over. It's always lurking. It could be anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just a testament to good writing and just, you know, clever editing, you know, because it does have some clever editing, you know, some parts where somebody is driving or walking through town and all of a sudden the camera stops and just are slowly zooming in for like a dark alleyway. And then the car is just fucking there. Know, right but it's it's a mixture of good writing, clever editing, and the acting sells it. I think you know the, the, if they had played it for laughs and played it you know more for Camp Factor, you would be making fun of it and well, I think that's why we can right. watch it and not make you know not be making fun of it
1: well, and the other thing too, I just thought of even while you were saying that was something that just dawned on me as well, which is an interesting change from. Maybe even, in fairness, more horror movies that came after this as opposed to before it. But the car only attacks the innocent and the good people. It never seems to bother Dick Hole, R.G. Armstrong, Amos. Yeah, I mean, it's only at one point, it just
0: drives right past him and kind of swerves around him to take out the sheriff. Yes. You know, it's only taken out people that either, A, fuck with it, you know, right. like when, uh, you know, the Lauren character kind of makes fun of it and taunts it or those who are trying to stop it or good natured, you know, people, it kind of leaves, as you
1: put it, the dick holes alone. Right. Well, and I think that what, uh, what horror movies seem like some of them were, would tend to do and still do is they introduce these characters. And once one of the characters does something kind of unseemly, then they allow that character to die. Does that make sense? So, like, if, for instance, let's say there's a couple. And the couple seems like a likable couple. But then the one guy kind of walks away from his girlfriend and he starts fiddling around with another girl he shouldn't be fiddling with. The odds of them dying in that scene are at about 98%. Because he's doing something wrong, according to whatever you think or whatever. And so they get picked off. This movie, there are people, there are children who... Who are, who are practicing for a parade, marching through the middle of town, and they get attacked by the car. And it's almost like the more pure and the more innocent a character is, they're attacked, and they're in more and more danger. And, and it, to me, the, the, there's something about... You know the old... Um, in the early 80s, when there was a bunch of controversy about all the violence... In, because because it's the slasher movies got popular, so there's a lot of like knife violence, basically. Heads getting cut off, and this is kind of new, you know, to glorify the gore of the kill was kind of new, you know, so because people like Tom Savini were making the effects popular and stuff, and so some of that was misunderstood as kids wanting to kill people instead of people being fascinated by the artistry of it, you know, and stuff, which is hard to understand if you're not into it. I get all that, but the thing is, is the old cliche was. Kids go out, they get drunk, smoke pot, have sex in the woods, then they die. It's not just kids like break down the side of the road and die. They have to be doing something. Well, they have to be smoking pot. Well, yeah, like be, in this yeah. movie,
0: I mean, the, our opening, our opening two kill, kills are just two kids out having a leisurely, you know, they're just racing on their bikes to see, hey, who can get from point A to point B quicker? I'm going to see if I can arrive faster than you. And that's all they're doing. All
1: right, they're, totally innocent.
0: Yeah, totally innocent, you know. Right. And-
1: right. I think I, I honestly <laughs> think, Cameron, that, that that might be the key to this movie that that is confusing me so much. Like, why do I like this? Because I there's I like to identify why I like movies or don't like them. Like the thing, the carpenters, the thing. I love the environment of that. I love the 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 all the, the Antarctic. You know, the the the. It's, I sort of like yeah. the um the fact that they're trapped there. But sometimes I don't always like that as well. But I do like that snowy environment. or something. I think it, it, the cold lends to the atmosphere of that film. So I can, I can explain that to you. In the Ten Little Indians kind of story. The car, I don't know what the hell I like it. But I like it a whole lot. <laughs> and that's unacceptable right, for a guy that does a podcast every week. You know, I can't just say, watch it. Because I like it a whole lot. And that's all I can say. So my thing is with this movie (laughs) is I struggle. I struggle so hard because I like the cast a lot, but it's not a cast that I will go out of my way to watch a movie because James Brolin is in it. I like James Brolin, but I don't seek out James Brolin movies. If that makes any sense to you know, it's like, so it's not that, I mean, it's a good, good cast. He lends credibility,
0: you know, he definitely lends credibility to any movie he's in, but I can't say for the,
1: any fact that, like, like, ooh, I got, I'm gonna go and see what is he working on this month? You right, know? right. And it's not like Elliot Silverstein is John Carpenter. You know, he's, he's, <laughs> he, it's not like he's a Toby Hooper. Who the hell is this guy? I mean, I know he did a couple of cool westerns, and this movie definitely, you know, I, you can always see that if he didn't create this film, that if he was hired to direct it, they said we're going to be directing this in a western environment. We better get a guy that knows how to direct in the sand. You know, who knows this environment? Who knows the, the difficulties of shooting on location? And, and which I don't have to explain to you about. You 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 work in independent films and shooting on location can be very difficult. You know, oh, and, oh, and, yeah. and and, and so I understand all of it. I get it. But it's not like I'm I'm an Elliot Silverstein completist. So well it's like you said he's not
0: John Carpenter. He's not Toby Hooper, but it does seem like all the just somehow is a movie that shouldn't work right By that's what I'm saying right yeah. it shouldn't work but damn it if it doesn't right you know you end up you end up caring about the characters and and most of the time in these kind of movies it's I don't care about the characters because most of the time like you said you've said they're unlikable You know, there's some sort of thing that happens a lot, you know, the happily married couple, then it turns out the husband or the wife is cheating so that, you know, they're going to get bumped off. No, most of these people are good people. I mean, the one character, Amos, Mm -hmm. RG Armstrong is the one bastard of the movie and he lives, he lives to see the end. He shouldn't. That's the, that's anything that's one move. That's one thing that it loses one point in the end for me. Like, I felt like, I mean, towards the end, of course, I mean, we're not talking about this completely in a linear fashion, but they end up enlisting his help. They have him in their holding cell because he was running around town screaming and yelling with a loaded shotgun,
1: you know, drunk. I so hate they, when I do they, that, too. They always pinch me when I'm doing that stuff, too. Yeah, they always, yeah,
0: they frown upon that, sons of bitches. You, <laughs> just, you just can't threaten people blindly with a shotgun
1: while you're drunk, I guess. <laughs> when I was a kid, I could do that, and I could wear a clown outfit, and they didn't bother me. Ah! <laughs> now, yeah. I will no, you're no, right, I, though. He, like
0: yeah. it when uh, Chaz, Deputy Chaz, manhandles him and just grabs him by the face and just That's drags him into the room. He's like, and right. he's just yelling at him, You can't treat me like this. I pay your salary.
1: And he's like, You sit down. I'm right, like, right, right. Well, see the old cane, the old cane waver in me, um I don't know if you want to call it member barriers. or the old cane waiver in me appreciates a movie that shows people good or bad, but shows them complicated a little bit. You know, RG Armstrong, like he is he is not a good person. I do not like what he's doing at all. But he is a human. He's a horribly flawed human. But oh, they, yeah, they stop, try stop. to show him as a, as a human. And this is complicated. And this is the way life really is. And what I like is that the movie doesn't... It doesn't... It has, like, addiction. It has racism. It has... I mean, just everything we still deal with. And we always, well, as a species, you know, we always have to combat this stuff or whatever. So that's fine. But I'm saying that... What this does is it presents it to you and it shows it shows it to you. So when so when chess, when the when the Native American giant of a man grabs. Oh, yeah, this, he's a Hulk. Yeah. Grabs his this, you know, like this bigoted jerk and, and puts him in his place. What they're saying is that he is also a human. And if he's going to be judged, he'll be judged later. But he got put in his place. He got taught a lesson, but the audience didn't. They weren't trying to pre. They were just allowing this to happen. And this is the kind of stuff that makes me go, yeah, yeah, take that motherfucker. Yeah, it does. It down. makes you kind of fist pump in yeah. the air a little bit. Right. Now, now had R.G. Armstrong been out in the street with a gun and the car got him, what would that have done? You, would have, you might have said, yeah, yeah, he deserved it. But I think he deserved to get shoved into a chair by a Native American while the guy is calling him, what was he calling him, a dirty savage or something? He was being a racist yeah, he was him, basically. Him a, yeah, I mean, he yeah. was being horribly racist.
0: I mean, I mean like, yeah. the, the Amos character is horribly racist, extremely uh, uh, chauvinistic and just right. abusive. And he's okay. every horrible trait of a human being that you can imagine. So the fact sure. that this, this, you know, big guy is putting him in his place while he's insulting him, you know, he didn't have to beat him up. He, but he did have to manhandle him a little bit just to get right. him to shut the hell up. I mean, like, the part, there's an, an additional scene, just to get off subject for like two seconds, when James Brolin, Sheriff Wade, is trying to reason with him after Everett gets killed in the street. And they're both just screaming at each other, screaming over each other. And Amos just won't shut the fuck up. And he's like, you know, he has no respect for anybody, not women, not other races, and definitely not the the law. He's just screaming at him, and like he's like king shit. And it was just uh, but, you know, it's like that scene, you know, I think was a good prelude to the scene where Chaz puts him in his place. It's like, listen, you know. It was kind of like one of those moments where, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. They're like, listen, I don't want to have to lay in bed with you, but I'm going to fucking have to if we're going to defeat this thing that we're Mm -hmm. fighting here. Right. It's like, listen, I I have no problems fucking you up, but I'm going to have to fuck you up later because right now we have something bigger to deal
1: with. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. They they, they, like they say that. This is what I maybe this is what I like about this movie is that it just presents people as who they aren't, doesn't try to solve their lives in the film. And I think that that, that, I think I get I don't like uh, I've always said this and will always repeat it and will ad nauseum. And I don't care if anybody says I don't like newer films because they preach at you whatever it is they feel like. I don't really care what it is. It's and I'm not trying to get political at all because I don't like doing that and I don't really like arguing about that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is that. I don't like to be treated like, a, like I have to be programmed by anyone at all. I just want to see a story. And so what I like about this story is that when they show R.G. Armstrong, you clearly know this guy is a bigoted misogynist. That's exactly, he's not trying to hide it. He is what he is. And then they find out they need him. Now, this is interesting because it's usually the sympathetic character who is needed and then there's that big aha moment where see, you need the guy and stuff like that. Well, you're not sympathetic for the guy they need this time. And and what's what's funny is he sits there and they go, We need you. And he gives them that crap, shitty ass smile, like, ah, 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 you need me now. And that's it. Yep. yep. But the thing is is Cameron, that's life. That 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 is life. When they deal with Ronnie, and and the reason I'm saying I'm not talking about politics, I'm talking about preaching, is Ronnie Cox's situation. Ronnie Cox is battling addiction. He's battling alcoholism in the film. And they're not not judging anything about what he's doing, but they're showing the difficulties that he has with this, given the stress that he's being put under. But they're not judging him, and they're not solving his problem. It's just showing you that this is the—these— comp these, these characters are sort of archetypes of different issues that we've been that we've had for a very, very long time. So for me, the drama is kind of universal. and it's and the bad guy in the movie is the car. right. And not it's not RG Armstrong. Today in today's world, if we had this movie being made, RG. Armstrong would be the villain of the film. There's no hope yeah. for RG. Armstrong. but in 1977, People said, we need R. G. Armstrong is a human and is is capable of change. And it's not up to us to judge him. It's up to us to not be a dick like him. <laughs> you know, it's up to us to not be a dick to him and around him. Let him wallow in his own self-misery and his own hatred and let him stew in it. And I'm watching this movie thinking. Exactly. Let him, I mean, he had a horrible existence to begin with. So all this stuff's happening. And the car is only taking out people who aren't R.G. Armstrong in the film. And, right. And, it's and, taking and to out me, children,
0: you know. It, it has no qualms about taking out good
1: people. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And to me, that makes horror. If, if the car was killing bigots... I would probably have three more built <laughs> to drive right. around the country because I, I don't well, like it. You know, entrance, if it was
0: just taking know? out guys, if it was just taking out people who beat their wives, if it was taking out dudes that just uh, slap their wives around and beat them and and, and are so misogynistic. I, I would have no problem kind of turning the other cheek and being like, well, oh, I didn't see anything.
1: Right, right. But what this movie does is it takes all these complicated, realistic characters. This is an old film, and these people are more realistic than people you see today in movies. I mean, they take these realistic characters, and these people have to come together to destroy a demonic demon car. And somehow, me and you are going, how does this work? Why are we liking this? Maybe all of these things that are in this film, uh, how they handle them, I think is a big part of it. And I I think that it also shows you the car, it makes the car scarier because, you know, it's almost like RG Armstrong is unlikable, but he's not really much danger. That's scary, too, because I would like to think that I am not like RG Armstrong. So you're putting me in harm's way in this film if I was in this film. That makes me identify with the characters and and it. it I mean, the sucks moment the that end. the
0: car swerves around R.G. Armstrong and and it could have just as easily plowed through him as it plowed through Everett. Exactly. You know, it could have it could have taken both of them out easily. Once you realize, like, oh, it's not after this asshole; mm-hmm. it's after me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it will drive around him to get to me. You know, like so. if right. This asshole is standing in its way. It's It's kind of like. For instance, like when uh, it attacked, the car attacks the parade yes. and the kids are trying to run to safety and the cowboys that are part of the rodeo are like, hey, we'll distract it, you know, and get it off of the, the kids so they can run, you know what I mean, to, to, to get out of the farms right, way quick. Right, right, right. A diversion it, it just, tactic. Yes. Yeah, diversion tactic. I mean, it works, but it takes every single one of them out because they're, you know, as I wrote it, it was the cowboys to the rescue See, right. But it, they sacrifice themselves to save those kids. Again, good people get taken out first. I mean, if you're a bad person, I guess it would take you out if you were truly in its way. But R.G. Armstrong and until it, you know, he kind of buckles down at the end and and does help the you know the police department to take you know the car out. It's not really in a,
1: in the car's way at all. Right. Well, in this movie, it it. it I, I don't I, God, I wish I could remember who I heard because I am not I'm not taking credit for this thought or this quote or anything like that I saw it, someone say it. And I don't even know who it was. I don't know if it was someone like Wes Craven or a screenwriter, someone in Hollywood, someone who me or you, I'm sure would both know. I just can't recall who it was said a horror movie has to take away something the audience loves or else it's not really a horror film. And so I take that as the goose equation. I hate the movie Top Gun, but everybody knows in Top Gun, Goose dies. You love mm-hmm. Goose. Yep. Goose is the fun guy. He's the only guy. You kill Tom Cruise. Kill Val Kilmer. Kill them all. Don't kill Goose. Who dies? Goose. Goose. Yep. Right. It's like in, the, so in this movie, film, you know. Besides the,
0: besides the, you know, the children being bumped off. I mean, I think this movie's goose is Lauren.
1: Yes, thank you. And, and but I will say something that is keeping. I think another thing I'm trying because I'm trying to talk through this with you and answer my own question: Why do I like this? Because I think that's the whole review. Why do you like? Because there's no plot to this damn movie. We're not missing any. Yeah, car shows up They're in anyone. town, starts running people over. That's a pretty. I and mean, there's it. a misogynist. There's a drunk. And there's a happy couple. <laughs> and, and You know, that's it. I mean, you know, so it's, it's very, it's very. By the numbers. But the thing is, is that it's constantly taking away the characters you love and leaving alone the characters you don't. So it's constantly pushing the horror movie rule over and over and over again. And I think it keeps you glued to it. I really do. I think it makes the movie more suspenseful than you even realize when you're sitting there. I think it's subtle, but, and I think that I, my, I am seduced by it myself. Because I watched this movie and I love it. I absolutely love this movie and it's getting better and better and better with age. Um, another movie I just watched real recently, and it's very similar to this. And that same, let's call them Jaws ripoffs. Movies made because of Jaws, the yeah. unstoppable nature, you know, force of nature. Uh, I have a feeling
0: I know which movie
1: you're going to mention here Grizzly. Yes, yes. We talked just about watch, that earlier. Yes, just watch Grizzly and Grizzly takes out a little kid in his yard and rips his arm off and everything he takes out his mom for trying to save him it takes away andrew prine the grizzly takes away richard jakel it takes the whole cast down except yeah that'd for be christopher george for george right who christopher george is the one guy you're probably like yeah, i can take christopher george just don't take andrew prine i like his voice <laughs> you know, just don't take Richard Jekyll. I like his, I like his animal skins he wears. Around. You know, just just don't take these guys. Take, oh uh, no, you're not going to take Christopher George, are you? You know, there you go. I no, did not even want no, to take it's... the helicopter. Take Christopher George. You know, and but what I'm saying is, is th- 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 this movie is constantly doing that, and that's what I'm trying to get at, and that's why I'm saying I'm not being political. What I'm saying is that this movie is not preaching to you. It's showing you good people and bad people. You identify who these people are. You know. It's not trying to solve the world's problems. It's trying to show you the world for what it is and entertain you by saying, okay, now we're going to give you the world. And now what we're going to do is we're going to have this evil entity, this force, come in and take out the only good people you got in this town. And I think that that's what, holds, that's what makes it hold up. The car is cool. It's not CG. It's practical. They do everything on camera, which is never going to get old. No,
0: never does. Do, and I effects... appreciate that about this movie. It's, it, it's the times that it was made, you know, I mean, uh, today would all be done. Well, I mean, like, we. I don't want to talk about the movie too much, but the sequel that they did, which was not really a sequel. I didn't it see was, it. Uh, the, yeah, the car, Road to Revenge, yeah, is not understand. very good. It's a lot yeah. of CGI. It it was it was it was good for a one time watch, but I would mm-hmm. not put it in the same category as this film whatsoever. But a lot of CGI, and it was gotcha. good. it lost something there. Like you know, when the car does the barrel roll in this, and it yeah. rolls over the cars that's and awesome. smashes it. That's a great stunt. Yes, and I think that was uh, I read somewhere it was either on Wikipedia or IMDb, but I made a note here that that was the first time a stunt like that had ever been done on
1: camera. Well, that's why that's why yeah. I mentioned Mad Max. to me some of the some of the car the stunt driving work and stuff looked like what they did in mad max like how they were cranking the film a little bit faster but some of those stunts are just insane it's insane like why i don't even know why you would do that and 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 because they could (laughs) well (laughs) well, (laughs) 1977 had some good drugs cameron (laughs) <laughs> yes i mean not that we don't have some good designer drugs in our world they had the real na- nature stuff they were probably they were probably <laughs> sharing some peyote out there with some folks doing that stuff but they're like you know what the- would be cool like if the car
0: just did a barrel roll and smashed like six cop cars in a row and then drove away without a s- scratch that would be great and they're like hey listen michael <laughs> right <laughs> or dennis or one of the, the five writers that was on this they're like i think you did too much peyote but that's a great idea all the same. Yeah. Let's
1: do it anyway. <laughs> and it's so bold and so brash. And you don't, you know, you think of a movie like the, the uh, something similar to this. Remember the movie Nightmares? Which was like yes. the four short stories. And I think Lance Henriksen might be in one of the stories that has like a killer pickup. Am I right? Yes, Yeah, yeah. Okay, Lance so, Henriksen, Emilio Estevez. I remember that movie. Yeah, so so that is Okay. It's alright. It's kind of more like Duel, I guess, a little bit. But, but you certainly... It's certainly not... It's not like you're waiting for it to continue when that little segment of that movie is over. It's an interesting little thing. Okay, there's a car chasing somebody around. Alright, whatever. You know, it's a big deal. The, this is so much more successful in that it takes the same idea, basically. Expands it. Even adds drama, which you normally probably wouldn't want. And here we
2: are. Here we are.
1: yeah and here we are I mean we're I mean, we're, we're forty four we years later still talking yeah. about it, right and I don't I can't remember well, the pickup part in Na- nightmares except that Lance Henderson I think is playing a priest maybe in it and so it's like the devil versus him. I think that was what it was, but the actual action in the film the car action, the pickup was good. it was good, but it, it doesn't stick with me like the car does the car right, is, right. It's, it's engaging it's not
0: very. It's not very memorable, is a no. good way to describe it. But this right. movie,
1: it, it sticks with you. Well, talk you know, I mean, about, like, let's talk about the, so one, the see, Yeah, well, I was something that, that getting to what you're saying sticks with you. I know it's something that you want to talk about. I know this, because I know you. But Lauren the, the, is, what we said earlier, the person who you don't want to die. That's, you can't, Lauren can't die. She she's taking care of James Brolin's kids. What happened to James? Why is James Brolin a a single parent? Did you ever catch that in the story?
0: No, you know, I mean, he has a discussion with his kids, you know, just basically that him and his wife had got a divorce and she separated. Okay, that was it. You don't, so so you know, they're
1: divorced. So he wasn't like a widower. I, I didn't. I didn't really. I don't believe I he was. No,
0: he wasn't a widower. Okay. He was okay. just. He had just. He had a discussion with the two daughters. Which, on a side note, the two daughters are actually played by sisters. Okay. Uh, Kim and Kylie uh, Richards. They're both. of okay. Yeah. Them. Right. Right. John, mm-hmm. John Carpenter films. so. Uh, uh, Kim being from uh, Salt on in thirteen, and mm-hmm. Kylie being from uh, Little Lindsay Wallace from the original Halloween. But they it was the one time that they actually played sisters on screen, so I think that lent some credibility to. to oh, so Kim was sister. Kim was
1: the girl in the car we looking for the ice cream with her dad yeah. or whatever. Yeah, so, okay, okay, was... gotcha, gotcha. And then Kylie right. was was uh, the little girl in Halloween. That's my she favorite gotcha. movie. Was... So that's that's a yep, good. She one. was I, Little I Lindsay not...
0: Wallace.
1: Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, but there's a discussion when he's talking about, and he's like, uh, you know, where you know, there. He's trying to k- kind of keep his relationship with Lauren on the down low because she, you know, he's the town sheriff, she's the town, you know, school teacher, and, and she's but, teaching his kids too. And I think, teaching right? his, yeah. Ki- yeah. yeah, teaching his kids. So right. he's trying to keep it on the down low. But it's funny because it's one of the few moments of levity in the movie because <laughs> the kids know. The kids know big time. And, mm. you know, they kind of call them out on it. They're like, you know, we, we, we don't mind, you know, like, and they, you know, that you're seeing her, we like her, right. you know, and I think that's what they're driving home is that you do like this character. She's a lovable character. She's a great, she's, I mean, she's a great
1: actress. Yes. Oh, she's her. a great char- character actor. Totally. She's a great because, actress. Yeah. She's, she's in a lot all kinds of stuff back then. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's realistic. She's a realistic, realistic person.
0: Yes. You know, she's, she's cute. Yes. She, she's fun. And, you know, like when there's a scene where the the town uh, spinster sister is confronting her that a kid had, you know, one of her students, a 13 year old, had drawn a a picture of her naked. She's like, Do you think it's normal that a 13 year old boy fantasizes about seeing his teacher naked? She's like, Yeah, yeah, I do. I think that's very normal. (laughs) Right, right. This town. But they leave it alone after that. You know, it's the way she approaches things, but you know bad things are gonna happen to her because she's the one that that she taunts the car. When the car, you know, corners all the kids and all the, the people that were in the parade in the cemetery, she taunts it, she screams at it. she calls it names, calls them a the son of a bitch, you know, trying to right. taunt she whoever. curses it.
1: She curses it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, she curses at it and yeah, it, it kind of like it's uh, when the one thing I, you know, I walk away from this movie with, if I've learned any lessons, is do not taunt the demon car. <laughs> no, 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 you don't want to
1: do that at all. And you but, know, the, the, to be honest with you, though, like I was, this movie was constantly taking away the good characters. So I think, I think it was a bold move to kill her off because okay. I, I didn't really like, I mean, I know the movie pretty well now. When I was a kid, I didn't. I might have seen this movie maybe once. It didn't play a lot where I lived, so I didn't see. I knew it. I knew what the. I knew of the film. I'd seen it like maybe once on television when I was a kid. Um, but I I've seen this more as I've gotten older, you know. And the first couple times I was, well, I remember that was one thing was that young, I always forgot that they took away that they took away Kathleen Lloyd, and I. I didn't remember that the first couple of times I, I went back to see this and, and it, it was surprising to me that she was killed because they were already taking away characters you liked and they didn't need to do that. And I think it was a bold move to do it, to be honest. And with how you. they did it was um, also very I mean,
0: chilling. It goes to show yeah. you that not not only that you are not safe in the streets, you're not safe in your own home because the car creeps up and drives straight through her house. And it's such a harrowing scene or harrowing scene because she's on the phone with James Brolin. He's Mm -hmm. in the hospital, you know, in the hospital recovering from being, you know, door banged. And, (laughs) you know, she's, you know, she's crying. She's like, I hear the car. I can hear the engines. It's coming. I'm scared. And she's like begging him for help. Like, you know, he's laid up in the hospital, not being able to help her at the moment. And then it just drives straight through the house in one end, out the other, and takes her out in, you know, I am a gore hound. I like gore. I like a good, if, bloody effect and whatnot, but I think it plays off so much better that you just see the destruction of the house. You don't see a body. You don't see her get plastered across the hood or anything. It's all done so subtly that it's this kind of, it's one of those moments where you're like, oh, and it leaves yeah. you breathless for a moment. Well, And then, and then it and, hangs on yeah, yeah, I mean, That the is house. the scene I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just like and a then tank, it, a
1: Sherman tank yeah. just drove right through that house. And then there's the other part of it where it's not, it's all practical. And it's just a, it's this quick edited scene that shows that, that puts in your mind what happened without having to show you too much, but it shows you just enough. But that, if, had that been like, like you're talking about with like the sequel, had that been CG, he would have seen so much. It would have been like an eye roll. It didn't work because it was it's not real, you know, and this is it's real. The car did something real on camera. I don't know. They edited it all together, of course. You know, I'm not saying it actually ran through a house or anything. What I'm saying, though, is however they edit it and however they did that, it looks good. It's edited to where you can identify what the action happening is very well. You know, she's taken out the way they show her kind of fall real quick, you know, how they, they throw those few frames in there and everything, and then right. they really leave that shot hung for a long time, like with that hole going through the house. I mean, yeah, when it's a just for the cameras time. just
0: looking through that like, that hole yes. and the window frames just kind of dangling, and and the dust cloud is kind of clearing. <sighs> yeah, expertly. I, I think again, we, we've mentioned several times. You know, the editing is also a strong point in this film. And And they know how to edit. They know how to make that sequence work and how they hung on that at the end. It it gives you a time. It gives you that couple of moments to go like, oh, man, did they just take out? Oh, they did. She's gone. It's not like, and it's over. And they go right on to the next scene. They let you linger on it. They let you taste it for a while and go, Oh. I don't like the taste of this. This is bad,
1: (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Right. And and I think that that's, that's what helps this film a lot too, is that it is a B movie made by a movie people. And well, and they made it, they made it like it was work. This was work. They were getting paid to do this. You don't make fun of your job. You do it because you're getting paid to do it. And they did it and they did it to the best of their ability. And it, it, it's a success because I think of everything we've talked about, you know, is that but but there's no and I think I've said this to you too a bunch of times, and especially on this program as well. But I, I I something that always bothers me about let's say a newer independent film that is trying to be a B movie. Um like a movie right. that tr- has a silly title. Or something that's going to draw you like a shark. Like Sharknado would be, an, a, a bloated version of what I'm saying. Like a movie that's clearly made, winking at the camera, knowing it's a stupid movie, and there's nothing I can do about it. And now it's going to just be a, stupid. When I'm and, in a, and, and the when I'm is, in the mood
0: is, for a stupid film, you know, I'm in the mood for a stupid film, and I will watch a Sharknado movie. But like when I'm in the mood for something that is. For lack of a better term, intelligent, this is the kind of movie
1: I watch. Well, I I agree, but I also think that the movies that were made to be intelligent and good and are really, really stupid are the really good, stupid movies because they were made (laughs) straight and they were made to be good, and that's what makes them funny. You can make fun of them. I don't really, (laughs) I mean, to me, it's called comedy. I will laugh with a movie like I will watch Dumb and Dumber or something like that to laugh with a movie of people being stupid and winking at the camera. That's comedy to me, you know, but 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 the like the grind, like there's always a there's always a tendency for people who, let's say, like grindhouse movies to create their own grindhouse movie. And I think the folly of that is that people who made grindhouse movies didn't make grindhouse movies. They made a movie that was only allowed to be played in a grindhouse. Right. They didn't make it. (laughs) They weren't trying to make a grindhouse movie. They just made a movie that. Right. It's like, surely I take your damn clothes off or else we don't have ourselves a grindhouse movie. I don't think they said that on set. You know, I mean, I just think they made movies that were so, so weird. That they just, they, was no, they weren't going to play anywhere else. Or they couldn't get distribution. That's what made them. They didn't make them to fail. They didn't make a movie to be bad. But, people, but we do that today because we enjoy these movies. Now, I'm not, I'm not, like, that's a whole separate issue that I don't appreciate that. And I don't, I don't like those movies. But that's almost a separate issue. What I'm saying is that this movie was not made as a joke. I mean, it wasn't. And that's what makes it good. Even if it was a bad movie, if it wasn't made as a joke, if it's so bad it's funny, then it really is truly funny, right? Because right. The people are seriously. I, I you get like, you. Yeah, yeah. So you're looking at people, Are, are you serious? <laughs> oh my God, he is serious. This is a what? You know, you're we watching these movies, <laughs> and, and that's what makes them so enjoyable. You know, and things like that, and and, and I think that this movie does that same thing and it's, it's almost like it's it's covered its own ass does that make sense like the movie covered its ass when they made it like they're like look we're professionals we've done this enough to know if we don't take this serious it's going to make us look bad right you know? it's like so we're going to look like a
0: we're not making a movie that's supposed to be a joke let's not make it like we're we're you know trying to you know trying to do exactly just that we're not making a a, a joke we're making a serious film Right, they didn't
1: make Ishtar to make a bad movie. They just made a bad. It just happened. It just happened to work out that it way. Just made a bad movie, right? And those you can you can appreciate and have fun with, you know. But the movies that were made to be bad, where you tell me where are they? Well, they get lost into obscurity because they're just one trick ponies, and they're nothing. But some of these movies are like really bad, and they're fun. I mean, Mystery Science Theater took care of a lot of them, you know. But those yep. movies but those the the best ones are the ones that are made good. They're made bad. This movie was made good, and it had a decent a decent script and a decent idea. And I you look know, just the fact they put eighty grand into the car itself, do you think that any filmmaker today making this would put eighty grand into a car? No, they made they they did it. They made it CG. You yeah, saw it. They would put eighty,
0: 80 grand into the c g to to make the car badass. They would not take the time and the care to put into a physical fucking automobile,
1: right? And 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 then you watch the fruits of that labor, and and there you go, and that's what you have. And there's a good example of it, you know, about that too. Um, I don't know, you know, it's it's you know maybe I'm still waving that old proverbial you know proverbial cane around and stuff, but I just think that this movie itself is made correctly for a horror film when you have a. Subject that's a little suspect, you know, I mean, a shark in the water is not really that suspect, so it's probably easier to make Jaws scary. The movie Jaws scary than a, than an, well, than an old. Some, I mean, yeah. I mean, the, the movie Jaws is something that,
0: although spectacular, could happen. A but. shark could, you know, come to the beach and start eating people. The fact that we're making a movie about a car that could be possessed, could be the devil, could be demonic running people over as a little little uh fantastical, you know, it's not right. gonna happen. So to play it off as if it's very serious is uh you know it's tricky territory. Right. You know, it's 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 not territory easily traveled and to do correctly. And this movie it does it every step of the way. There's very few missteps in this movie. Right. Well I think I mean too-
1: hell I okay. well as for for a musician I'm fascinated by what works like as, as someone who creates something to pull an emotion out of people. I'm always, I'm always fascinated by the nuts and bolts of that creation of something like this, that works that maybe shouldn't, shouldn't work, but it does work. And I'm so fascinated by how that process, like, how did that, how did the uh, the how did the equation come out to such a good answer? Right and, right. and this is like such a clinic on that. And uh, I, I it's almost like one of those movies that I, they should show in
2: a film school.
0: And you know, not, good not, point. I never would have uh, thought. I never would have thought of it from that kind of standpoint. But yeah, probably should to be like, listen,
1: this is how you do this and do it correctly. Yeah, I mean, what did what did uh, Christopher Lee used to say? You know, he's like, everybody does bad movies. The key is not to be bad in them. Exactly, that was a Christopher Lee quote.
0: And, he yeah. said, like he said many times. Yeah, I think that was about uh, in his. Uh, it was in reference to his appearance in Howling Part Two. If I. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that's that's it's as real as bugs bunny would say ain't i a stinker that's what that movie said it was, cool was like I, I am a
1: stinker i'm sorry but if but any actors out there if if on the cast you see rob brown run <laughs>
2: it's
1: not, not, gonna be, <laughs> not gonna be a class i got a great story for you R- real quick about that you can you can edit this out or whatever you want. Oh, no. If of, this is a story about a Red Brown movie, I want to hear all uh, about it. Sort of. It's one of the freakiest things that's ever happened to me in my life. And I've had some freaky things happen. And I've had some surreal things happen where I didn't know if I was actually awake or dreaming or not. This was one of those moments. I, when I was probably, I, let's say I was 21 or 22, and I was at a house party with a shit, a shit ton of people. And I'm sitting with these two guys who I was acquainted with. They weren't like good friends or anything. I was just acquainted with them, and and I even back then was always talking about movies and stuff even though I was known as a musician around here I didn't care much about music and I still don't care how much about music I play I don't really listen to that much I don't really care about it it's something I do good so I to talk about movies like we're doing now I'm talking to him about movies and this kids talking to me good guy kid whatever he's talking he goes he goes wow he goes yeah he goes uh Yeah, I got an uncle who's an actor, and he's actually in a couple movies and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah? He goes, yeah, yeah, he's been in in a few. He's like, but nobody really knows who he is, so I don't even know I was like, no, no, who is he? He's like, no, you won't know who he is. I go, no, no, no. I go, I "I love movies. Who's your uncle? And he goes, his name is Everett McGill. And I went, your uncle is Everett McGill? And he went, yeah. And the kid sitting next to him goes, are you kidding? And he goes, no, my uncle's Reb Brown. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sitting in this this little Illinois town party with these bunch of... We're just a bunch of, like, 20 barely drinking age kids in this house party. I'm sitting in between the nephews of of Everett McGill and Reb fucking Brown. (laughs) Yeah, what's the likelihood
0: of being... In cahoots
1: well, with one of them people, let alone both of them at the same time. Well, well, do you know what my and this was probably nineteen ninety three or something like that. You know, so you know what my answer was. I looked at both of them and said, you know, I wouldn't believe you guys, except no one else knows who those people are except me at this party. You're right, and I so I believed them because I was like, you know, it's like you know, <laughs> it wasn't like they were I, like, I you know, who I, who my uncle is, Tony Danza. Right, know, for, right, 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 <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, my son is Bruce Willis. You know, it wasn't something stupid like that. It was like my right. uncle is. You know, it's not like you walk around getting dates with women, going, you know, my uncle's Rub Brown. Um, <laughs> right. I don't know what a Rub Brown. I don't know what a Rub Brown is, but it sounds like something you flush. Forget it. You know, no. It was. Is, that, is, Red Brown, is, a, is a Red Brown kind of like a Blumpkin? I don't know what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But <laughs> that was just, uh, you, when you mentioned Holland, too, though. I was like, oh my God, that just reminds me of that. I'm at a party. I'm like, your uncle is Everett McGill and your uncle's Reb. And of course, I talked to, <laughs> talk to the kid whose uncle is Everett McGill. I was like, uh, yeah, Red Brown's fine. I know he's Captain America in the 70s. That's fine. But let's talk about Everett McGill. So anyway, anyway, getting back to the car that did not star Red Brown or Everett McGill. Uh, I guess we kind of trailed way off there, but. That's okay. That's okay. That's what yeah. this show's all about. I love, I love stories like that, sir. Yeah. It was <laughs> funny though. Yeah. I mean, of all people too, I'm sitting between them. So I'm the yeah, only right, at right. The party who would know what the hell they were talking about. And to actually, be frank with you, I was kind of surprised the kid whose uncle was Red Brown knew who Everett McGill was. You know, so I thought that was kind of neat. So, <laughs> but anyway, uh, anyway, anyway, but getting uh, back the car, it is play it again i will say it is a b movie done by a by a level people who made an a level movie right No, and you know uh they didn't they, blow they, all their they, money on big stars and stuff they had james Brolin, they, who was good enough and character actors and they did a good job yeah i mean they had ronnie cox they had you know uh james
0: broland <laughs> You know, John Marley, I know I always remembered him from The Godfather, you know, with the infamous horse head scene, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and things like that. But, you know, not necessarily A-listers, but they definitely weren't B-listers either. Right. The only thing that was that was a letdown, I guess we can get into it since within the timeline of things, we're sort of at the end of the film, so to speak, Mm -hmm. is the way they tie it up at the end. Yeah. The way they lure it. Yeah, I mean, I love the car chase. Now, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. It's a great car, car motorcycle chase with Wade leading the car, you know, right. racing against the clock to try to get yeah. it to the the cliff so they can drive it over the edge, blow up, the, what are you going to call it, the gorge, mm-hmm. whatever, yeah. with dynamite. And it's the only reason why they needed RG Armstrong in the first place to bury it under a 100 ton of rock. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just seems like a very... Uh, <laughs> very thin plan, a very weak and thin plan, but it's, but the way they, it builds the tension so well, it's shot really well. You Mm -hmm. know I mean? Like the the car chase and with between the car itself and Wade on his motorcycle. Mm -hmm. And I I appreciate the fact that in a lot of the scenes, you know, when you're you're seeing James Brolin on the motorcycle, it's him on the motorcycle. Now I imagine they had a lot of stuntmen or some of the more tricky stuff. But for the most part, you know they they used him as much as they could. You know, and again, in this day and age, would never happen. They would right. never risk their main actor like that ever, or especially when he's like when he you know flips the bike and he starts climbing the rocky ter- terrain when it's obvious that there's no net beneath him or whatever you know or no you know air mattress for him to fall on. Right. I just appreciate, you know. Hey, put people at risk. Fuck it. Why not? This is the seventies. There's, like right. you said, there's a lot of designer drugs going on. They're probably just like, hi, hey, I can do this. I fought you Brynner right. in Westworld. I can do this. Right.
1: Well, you're never going to see a movie today where the main character refuses to wear a helmet either. I do like the the line when he says to his daughter when she's I'll like, wear "Are you wearing your helmet, tomorrow? Dad? Yeah, I'll wear it
0: twice tomorrow."
1: <laughs> yeah. 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 That was a big. That was a big deal back then. Yeah, helmet laws. But, uh, but uh, oh, I thought that yeah. was kind of funny. You wouldn't see that. You know, that's another one of those that can't do that today. You know, like not wear a helmet. And of nope. course, probably not a bad idea to wear a helmet so your head doesn't crack. Yeah, I mean, just ask Gary Brucey, right? <laughs> yeah. No, you ask Gary Brucey. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you ask him. <laughs> right. no, 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 I don't think I, I will. I, right, he right.
0: doesn't rem- He doesn't even remember his motorcycle accident. I can assure you that he doesn't even yeah. remember.
1: Right, right. Well, look, I my thing is... I don't really dislike the idea of the end. Uh, what I don't like is how, it, how it's realized. Like, I don't like, I never did like the very, very, very end. I never liked the, like, the explosion and what they try to make the flames into, like, an evil demony type of thing. And then, like, all of the guys grabbing each other and hugging each other like the end of Ghostbusters or something. I, I, I that's just really, like, bad, bad. Now, it's not easy to end a movie. Especially one that's this good. It's so good through the whole thing. At best, you're going to get an average ending. Otherwise, yeah. this, otherwise we would know this movie would be much bigger than it is if it had a better ending. I mean, but it doesn't. And I think that, that yeah. the, other, the other thing that I think that I, I just don't like. like So that's it. I mean, I do not like. If the car would have just went over the edge or, or the car would have had the boulders falling on it and blew up or whatever. Fine. They didn't need everybody hugging each other with demonic lightning fire going. I, yeah, I just with that didn't really like that. bad demonic
0: face in the flame. If it had I'd, just been a regular explosion,
1: yes, or
0: just the rocks crushing it. You know, or just the like- rocks
1: crushing actually crushing it without the explosion. Because why would it need gasoline?
0: Well, I mean, so, you, do,
1: we, you didn't need the big fiery explosion,
0: but you need the explosion when the dynamite went off. It had just been an explosion. Well, of that's box, different. Yeah, yeah, you that, know, I, I not the that. fire. Yeah, yeah,
1: right, right, right. But, but so, so th- I just didn't need all the effects in the fire, and then them, them, like being so frightened of it and stuff. It just really like kind of ruined their their characters. Not ruined them, but it kind of went against. They're so brave to do all this stuff, and then, like, whoa, ah, ah. whoa. At the end, I didn't like that. Yeah. The other thing that really, really bothered me and it's always bothered me in this movie is the scene that you were talking about earlier where James Brolin walks up to the car and the car like, kind of lures him over to it and then just kind of bumps him with the door and basically puts him in the hospital. I mean, I don't... like The car door just opened and knocked him over a little bit. It's like, I don't even care how hard that car door hit him. It's not going to put him in the hospital. It's not going to knock him out. Like, he falls down a little bit and rolls down some sand. And he looks around and, like, passes out. And I, I just found that scene to be very, like, they ran into ideas.
0: Yeah, or, yeah, they were running out. They, they were running. Well, the, the gas tank, uh, so to speak,
1: was running on empty. Yeah, it just seemed like, like, it was a weird. I like the idea of the moment because it's strange. It's almost like the demon car trying to communicate. With James Brolin, but I don't like the fact it's just a strange scene. You could have edited that part out and never missed it in the film, except right. Had to get right. James Brolin into the hospital somehow, but you could have done that so easily if the car would have ran him off the road, and he would have yeah. Just he his would bike. have rolled
0: off the road on his motorcycle. Yeah. Yeah. Rolled down and like the bike rolled on top of him, and it's like, oh, it cracked a couple of ribs. It just seemed. I mean, it was cool the way it lured him in. I like how the door opened a crack and the window rolled down an inch and it lured him in, but it, it, the payoff wasn't there, if, if
1: that makes sense. No. Yeah, and it didn't, yeah, it, it just, did I'm, just, I mean, that wouldn't, I mean, I'm not exactly a tough guy and that wouldn't have even really hurt me. You know, so it's kind of like, I don't know, it just, it's sort of, it just seemed like it was like, the, it, in, in a movie that's, that's put together so well, it just seemed like it stuck out as something kind of corny. Like it's not even corny. It's just like, what's missing? Like something like wasn't something else was planned for that. Yeah, uh, either like, they, they didn't thought it a, was going to look a lot better than it did, or maybe they didn't <laughs> have a stunt double for James Brolin, like you're saying, because he wanted to do his own, and they were like, "Look, dude, we're not letting you fall off a motorcycle." But I, I can't, I can't see that. I mean, I just can't see that being the case. This wasn't like some fly-by-night independent film i mean you know like there was a little bit of budget and everything to it and this is a professional movie i mean so I, I don't understand that that i don't get and i think the very very end is sort of like yeah they were out of ideas too you know and to be honest with you like i don't it's, it's like the very end of children of the corn is very similar to that <laughs> yeah, like, yeah very tacked oh. on yeah like this is a, a monster demon flame they come. That, it's like, and it just flames out. And I hate that. Like, oh come on! That's the end of was it? five, what was it five million miles? What? What was it? Twenty million miles? To, now, Quatermass in the pit. Yeah, Quatermass I don't know if you've mass in ever the seen, pit. Yeah, Quatermass in yeah, the pit. Then
0: some price, right?
1: No, no. That's it's, um, it's uh, uh, Andre Morel playing Quatermass, oh, okay. and it's the it's where they it's in Britain. They in London. They find a part of. They find like an old ufo or something under the ground and they basically spend the movie trying to figure out like and they find these aliens that are like praying mantis like things and they're but they're but they're they're dead but it's almost like they're they still have the ability even though they're dead they still have the ability almost like alien ghosts to screw uh-huh. with people and mess with them and stuff like that and it's a really cool movie and the whole thing is is a real classic nigel neal story it's really neat and, and then, like that very last shot, it's another stupid flame monster. <laughs> so you're like, wait.
0: Do, does wait. it kind of give you like the the idea that it was like uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the Ed Wood, the movie Ed Wood, Johnny Depp, Tim Burton. Yeah. Where the yeah. the guy who's financing it is like at the end, it ends in a huge explosion. And then it's like, well, that's you know, it ends with uh, Doctor uh, fighting the octopus, and he's like, not anymore. Mm-hmm. It, just, it makes you wonder right. if it was a discussion like that where it was somebody that's like, Listen, you know, I paid to build your $85,000 Lincoln and I want an explosion at the end. it's he's like, Oh, but the car's supposed to roll down the hill and get crushed by a boulder. And he's just like, Not now, it's not. Right. You right. never know. You never right. know unless you were well, one of the crew members. We'll just never know.
1: No, I know. Yeah. So it's just, but, but you know what though? Here's the thing. It's, it's like, um, I say this about movies a lot, and the car is a prime example of this. I would much rather have a film that is an absolute ball, that is fun to watch, that is entertaining, that keeps me looking at it, that I can watch... If I watch a movie with Angie, with my wife, because we watch a movie every night, basically, and some nights we end up talking through a lot of it, and other nights we seem to end up watching it more. Now, if my wife is listening to this, what she would tell you is... No, no, he smokes some funny stuff and starts babbling. And I can't pay attention to the damn movie we're trying to watch because he won't shut up. That's what <laughs> she would say. So we'll let we'll let we'll let the reality fall where it does. I have but a feeling those... Patty would probably say something very, very <laughs> similar. To that. Right, right. So so the, some movies just involve you. They kind of suck you in. And I'd much rather be sucked in for 90 minutes and have the last minute be like, "Oh, come on," than have the whole movie suck and then have a brilliant ending.: Exactly. I'd rather I'm, have one that fell apart
0: a little bit towards the end and maybe had a let down on the finale than yes. to be let down for 85 minutes.
1: Absolutely. And The Car is, I'll say that again, The Car is a a prime example of a wonderful film that just has kind of a weak finale, literally like the absolute finale of it. Not the whole chase like you're talking about. I do like that as well. It's
0: really the last 60 seconds. Yes, absolutely. That really fall apart. The last 60 seconds to two minutes is just kind of like, oh, on you know, the final page, they just didn't know how to they just didn't know how to end it. No, but, and, and I know, also I can the live with thing, that.
1: well the other thing I do not like, since we've been talking the whole time about what we like about this movie, the other thing I do not like, and it's not a killer either. I just don't like the car driving around over the end credits. That does
2: make no actually, sense to me
1: at all. It makes no sense to me at all. Like, wait, what? So well, that's just me. I, I would have liked it. I made a note about that
0: montage and, and i didn't quite like it myself but it would have been but it's done in an urban setting you can see you know because it's mostly a shot underneath the car and a close-up of the tire but you catch glimpses of, of the area around it and it looks like an urban setting a city
1: it yes. would have made
0: more sense if it had been the western type background the desert if it had been the desert you would have thought oh well they didn't get the car it's now gonna track them down you know or something it, it didn't make sense that it was in a city setting to me
1: I, I kind of thought what it was trying to say was the car, the car, like, it, okay, so it sort of was, you know, cutting its teeth, if you will, out in the suburbs or out out in the rural area. Now it's coming for all you in the city. That's kind of the way I saw it. it as like a warning to people who are living in the city here. Hey, hey, if you're not scared of this, we the car is coming for kind this. Of mode? Yes. But the problem I have with it is you just took care of the car. It's over. Like, I don't understand, like, it's, it's, God, I don't know. It's like, but it wasn't like the car, like, popped out of the ground again. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I just didn't like it. I thought it was a waste of film, to be honest with you. I just, I'm like, I don't understand why it was there.
0: Well, it's so expensive to shoot on film, because let's face it, this, this was 77. There's no such thing as uh, digital back in those days. No. How expensive that must have been to set up and do.
1: Yeah. And it, it wasn't like, like the... a waste of Well, yeah, and it wasn't like it was shot on short ends or something. I mean, you know, this was... I mean, it just seemed like a big waste, and it didn't make any sense at all. And it's not that it ruins it. Trust me, it's the credits. It's not that it ruins it for me. It's just these little things that are like... God, if he would have just taken that off. If he would have just... The ending. Let the end credits just be end credits? Yes, just let them be end credits, and let Brolin get brain off the road. Very simple things that I don't understand. And, And the the decisions that they made that are different from those were much more difficult than just doing what I'm saying. It's much more. The whole thing with the car door took way more time to shoot than, than just the stunt of him falling off the bike. You know, I mean, the, the flame effects at the end had to have taken a lot of time and effort and money, and the result is piss poor where they could have just left it. Like, not be that kind yeah. of demonic thing. And that would have made it more almost subtle. Like, what was this thing? Once you get the flame with the monster in it, then you're like, oh, God.
0: Yeah, <laughs> oh. And, and, and and also leads me to go, like, you know, because... I think we, it's obvious from what we've done here in the last two hours talking about this movie that we have a lot of love for it. So yeah. maybe people are going to think that we're nitpicking, but we're we're podcasters, we're reviewers. We're it's our job to nitpick, you know. Oh
1: yeah. Oh, I'm totally <laughs> nitpicking it. Yeah, yeah, I am because it is. Because I also don't. <laughs> the, the thing is this too is that I, I when I love a movie a lot, I, I also like to allow people listening to understand that yes, I know it's not a perfect film. My love for a movie doesn't mean it's perfect at all. Oh, no. You know, and, and there it, and really is, is there, there's
0: movies that are damn near perfect, or as I say, you know, semi-perfect movie. But mm-hmm. at the same time, there's really no perfect film, you know? It, right. I mean, except it Halloween. Be, except Halloween. I would, I would, <laughs> I would say also uh, The Thing, you know. Was That's, pretty that I, That's pretty you know, close. That's pretty close, know, yeah. it's <laughs> About as close to perfect as you can possibly get.
1: Yeah, and, right, uh, well, right. You
0: know what? That being said... Sir, why don't we go ahead and get into our final thoughts and okay. uh, rate rate this sucker? And you you know the rules as well as anybody. Uh guests go first, so go ahead and take it. So I'm waiting,
1: you got to, you gotta remind me now how many what what is the rating oh. system itself? I know there is one, but I, I scale on, you on you a gotta,
0: uh, one one to ten. Yeah, scale from one to ten, okay. one being the worst, ten being the best.
1: Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. This movie to me is a solid eight. I think, you know what? No, no, it's a solid eight. Yeah, it's a solid eight. And, and, and I I think that the only thing that doesn't make it like a 10 for me are just those little moments in the movie. I love a movie that entertains me, that shows me things Allows me to feel things, but doesn't tell me what I should be feeling and saying. I, I don't. I think I feel modern movies do that. This movie shows me bad people, good people. That's. It just allows me to understand who these characters are, and then it puts them in these situations. it Allows me to think because I can do that. I'm a thinking person, so it doesn't. It it doesn't insult my intelligence. On one hand, I think it's it's very entertaining. And very uh it's consuming. Um and I think it, it, it it's a very dramatic film about a demonic car. <laughs> and it's it's and I also think it is almost impossible, as you've been listening, like you said, for the last two hours, for us to articulate exactly one reason why it's so good there's a lot of different reasons that build this into a great film and there's only a few reasons that are kind of really sticking out that kind of drop it a couple but like you said there is no perfect film and i'd watch this any day over 80 percent since i gave it an eight i would watch this movie over 80 percent of all the other films ever made if i had a choice um and this is not one i loved when i was a kid so I, it, some movies i love I get bitched at a lot because I love The Fog. I think The Fog is an incredible movie. I got a call from my oh, friend I'm Jerry. Well, I got a, fr- a call from my friend Jerry at at Synapse Films. And he calls me up out of the blue to to crab at me because he's listening to my podcast. And I am talking about how much I like The Fog. And he's telling me all this stuff like, how do you like The Fog? I go, Jerry, I was seven years old when it came out. And he he thought I was older. So he went, oh, wait, wait, wait. I mean, he was totally like changed his tune. Never mind. I'm sorry. I mean, he was very serious. I'm sorry. I totally get that. Never mind. He thought I was a teenager when it came out. But I was seven. And he understood. So The Car is a movie that came out when I was a kid. But it isn't a movie I loved when I was a kid. And I think that I give those movies, sometimes I look past things. This is not that kind of movie. This is a movie I've discovered more and more as I've gotten older. And so, and so I think that I'm being much more honest and intellectually, I'm intellectually honest about this movie. It's not about nostalgia. My member berries aren't going crazy with this movie. I enjoy it for what it is. You know, do I miss my childhood in those days? We all do. But that's not why I like this movie. That's not it. That's not it at all. I didn't grow up in a desert, you know, so that's not it. It, 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 it's, it's fascinating. It's entertaining. And it's so much better than it should be. It keeps me fascinated. So
2: that's my thoughts. So 8, eight, eight
0: out of 10, though, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. that is the exact rating I had written down at the top of my notes, 8 out of 10. So we're seeing eye to eye on this one. I, I also feel a lot of the same ways. It's not it's not a nostalgia factor because I didn't really, you know, I saw it, you know, a couple of times growing up. I, I mean, I was only one year old when it came out. I think I probably saw it on Swing Swingoolie for the first time in my early teens, but I really discovered it after buying it on uh, VHS from a flea market. When I was in my early twenties, I was probably about 23, maybe 24, 25. And, and I just start, watched it and, found an all new appreciation for it. You know, I'm like, I was always into car movies. I'm not a gearhead by any means, but I like cars and I I know what I like, you know, but there's something about it. I love the subtlety of it. It's it's jaws on wheels. That's Mm -hmm. the best way I can describe it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's cleverly edited and, you know, and except for the, the, the ending, which, you know, I think is really the one point that, the, the why i take it down a notch and why it's not a 10 out of 10 the ending hmm. just falls flat in that last 60 seconds to two minutes you know and i actually do take a point off and this is me nitpicking is the fact that they don't bump off uh rg armstrong i really wanted to see him get his you know it was just like that's why he gets the other point knocked off and maybe it was mostly because they uh they they bumped off kathleen lloyd and and didn't bump him off so uh-huh. you know and, and that's severely nitpicking it it's a movie that is better than it has any right to be like you said it's it's a killer car movie it mm-hmm. shouldn't be as good as it is mm-hmm. you know but but damn it if it isn't stellar i mean it's it's memorable it's every bit and i might catch flack for this but i really don't give a shit uh <laughs> i mm. think it's just every bit as memorable as dual Mm-hmm. Is every bit as memorable as Christine two movies that I both hold, hold in high regard. Mm-hmm. Now it may never get it's kind of just due in that respect, but you know, yeah, I, I, I love the movie and I was glad we got to revisit it. <clears throat> I think it's you better know. than
1: both those movies. I think it's better than Duel, and yeah. better than, than Christine. And I, I'm not disparaging either one of those movies at all. No, yeah. and, I, and I agree with you too, that I, I think that, um, where did did you grow up in, in, in Illinois or Indiana or something like that? Where did you grow Indiana, up Indiana? OK, yeah. I, I grew up in central Illinois where you live now. Basically, I my television programming was coming from like the Champaign area. I lived in Decatur, Illinois, from when I was a kid. So yeah, a lot of the stuff that I Basically saw, a
0: stone's throw from where I live right now. <laughs>
1: okay, so, so the, you know, the, the antenna television, the broadcast television is sparse at best out there. And so I got what I got. This movie was just not one. They played a lot. Um, and, and I agree with you. I, I'm adding to that, too, is that I actually fell in love with this movie when me and Ben Harley reviewed it the first time. I'd seen it before, like once or twice on television, but I guess I just didn't pay close attention to it. Just had it on. And mm-hmm. when I saw it before, and when I was watching it for a review, I was shocked. Like, where, is, like, where have you been all my life? You know, <laughs> kind of thing. And, and, and it's gotten better and better and better and better. And, and so, I mean, I, I, I highly recommend... People that have an affinity for some of these films, you know, from like the 70s, especially this is, I mean, this is one of the best, especially in the 70s, one of the best horror films from that decade easily, easily
0: without having to be without having to be graphic. And again, I'm not saying that in a disparaging kind of way, because, you know, as I've already said on the show, I like like Gore Mm -hmm. the blood and guts kind of guy. But I like, a, I like a movie even more if it can be successful at creating horror and tension with, without having to do that. It doesn't, you know, I, my, my tastes are kind of all over the place. I like a little bit of everything. And I just like that what this movie was able to create with just good writing and good editing and a well-paced story. You know, I mean, it's right. just. Yeah, this didn't have to go for the gore factor. And again, maybe, maybe would have been. Maybe I would have given it a nine if it had gore. But I kind of like it the fact that it doesn't have it.
1: Well, I, I had to take an extra point. It would have been a nine for me, but I had to take an extra point off because I'm I'm jealous of James Brolin because of his face. Yeah, son of yeah, son of a bitch. <laughs> I want like, I want you, to you look know, like, you know, it's, James like
0: it's like James Brolin, take your face off. You're making the rest of us look bad, son of a bitch.
1: <laughs> I'm <done. laughs> i'm bitter Uh, i'm bitter at brolin because Brolin is more of a brolin than me man i mean i'm I'm maybe we'll start a new
0: podcast together called uh, we'll start a new one together called brolin bitterness i'm just reviewing james brolin movies and how much we hate his face
1: god oh no i i i I hate it because i want it you know it's i I (laughs) i covet my neighbor's goods (laughs) i'm I'm breaking one of the commandments over brolin's face i mean i want to be you know you know how's the phrase go um all men are created equal yeah what bullshit (laughs) all men are created equal and all brolins may be as well unfortunately i'm a man not a brolin so even his kid is handsome but but it's not it's still not james brolin james brolin's skeleton is handsome like there's nothing on him. that isn't- <laughs> The guy, look, I have almost a medical condition that I hate mustaches. I have a fear. I can't stand a mustache. I the human face was not designed to have hair that stops on either side of the chin. I don't believe it. I just can't stand it. And the damn guy can wear a mustache. This is why I said he is a cross between Burt Reynolds and Sam Elliott because he's the, they're like two of the only other people on the planet. Next, maybe Tom Selleck that can sport a stash, and I'm like. It works. Yeah. Keep it. Keep well, it. Can you,
0: you know, can you picture Sam Elliott without a mustache? I mean, you can, but
1: you wouldn't want to. Yeah, you know, I, you know, and he is in movies, of course, without him. And we've seen him and, and, and I can, but I don't need to. And that that's a talent that most men don't have. So, you know I'm what? I, I've got to say, you know, uh, there's, there's
0: a, there's a world out there where Sam Elliott does not sport a mustache, but I don't want to live in that world. No, 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 no. That's not a world I want to live in.
1: That's
0: not, that's a world
1: without hope. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yes, I don't want to be there either. Oh, no.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) I I think we can end on that note on a world without hope. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And without mustaches. There we go. Sam Sam Elliott without a mustache is a world without hope, and I don't want to live in it. <coughs> right.
1: Maybe that's why the Maybe that's why the car opened the door on him because it didn't like mustaches either. It, it's an evil car, yeah. and it didn't even. It was like trying James to take Bullets. off his mustache. It, was it wasn't trying, trying to his... hit him in the ribs. It was trying to take <laughs> out his fucking mustache. He was trying to put his face on his on the girl's car. <laughs> it's like I'm tired of looking like the old buzzard from the Muppets. I want to look like a Brolin. He's like, I've already face. taken out Smokey, Smokey and the Bandit,
0: and and uh, Sam Elliott. You're next, Brolin. Yeah, right, right. So well, I'm just. Uh, well, that being That's said, all. I think we'll, we'll close off the evening or the afternoon since it's only like noon here. Yeah. But uh, I want to thank you, Timo, for taking a couple hours out of your time. I know the show usually lasts about two hours, but we end up talking for three or four. Mm. You know, it's a given. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule yeah, no to problem. do that. But, uh, folks, once again, you have been listening to Cinema Degeneration, and this has been the Killer Wheels Appreciation Month. As always, we thank you for listening.
2: Okay,
0: this is it. He's going to stop. No, actually, she is going to stop. Oh, my Lord. She's going to be a 34-year-old nymphomaniac and we're going to go to the Amazon Basin together and water ski. Woo! I think I can handle it. I'm ready. Hi. My name's Johnny Norris. What's yours? Oh, my. Are you a darling-looking lady?
2: I'll pay the toll. Slow
1: down. You won't even see me.
2: Let it fiddle, you son-